and welcome to Center Nebraskans, the daily Nebraskan entertainment podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kyle Cruz, and I'm joined by my co-host. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is David Berman. Um, I am the Daily Nebraskans COVID-19 section co-editor. Um, and I guess by the time this is out, it will be announced that I am the Daily Nebraskans editor-in-chief elect, uh, <laughs> I guess, heading into next year. Um, so that's... Thank you, thank you. Um, not you know, not trying to toot my own horn, but I, just, I thought I'd I thought I'd mention it. Um, yeah, so that's what I do here. I also do a podcast that is this one. We're proud of our boy. Oh, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, as usual, also joined by I'm Mia Everding. I'm a graduate student and co-host of this podcast. And yeah, uh, as I mentioned, I'm Kyle Cruz. I mainly just write some movie reviews and host this podcast. Um, and yeah, I'm going to be graduating soon, which is sad. I don't know why I decided to bring that up, but I, I will no longer be here when David is editor-in-chief, uh, which kind of makes me sad. That makes but, me sad. Yeah, David will never be my boss, even though he w- has already been my boss, because yeah. he was the assistant culture editor. This but, is true. Yeah. So, gotcha. I was your boss. <laughs> you were never my boss. Well, listen, if you... Well, yes, technically, because this is a culture podcast, and I was the culture editor, so technically, I was your boss, Mia. Yes. I guess. Yeah. I'm still older. <laughs> <laughs> and I will always be older than you. I Yeah, that that's how time and ages work. Good job. Sorry, who are you, Kyle? What do you do? Who, who am I? Yeah, did you already talk about who you are? I did, you? yeah. Oh, I, I, I forgot, I wasn't listening. I am no, Kyle. He's, he's editor-in-chief, he, just, he doesn't care. Like, yeah. Kyle, it doesn't matter. Who I am you? Kyle, I, I, do, I do some movie stuffs. Um, and on that note, let's jump into our first segment for the week, which is What Have I Done? 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 And what have I done is a segment where we just talk about what movies we've been watching, what movies or TV or whatever, and whether or not we would recommend it, I guess. Um, So yeah, as usual, Dave, let's start with you. What have you been up to? So I'm going to talk about something that I would not recommend to anybody at any time in any place, Um, and that is the movie called Tall Girl. Tall Girl is a Netflix original, um, and it's, you know, classic coming-of-age story of a girl who's really tall. And by really tall, she's 6'1". That's 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 the established height that they give in the movie. And her 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 main issue is she's like, I'm just so tall. And that makes my life really hard because everyone makes fun of me because I'm so tall. And it's like, she's not really that tall. Like she's Yikes. she's very clearly just a little bit taller than everybody else. How old is she? Uh sixteen, yes. okay. I think. Um and yeah, it's like one of just, and that's pretty much the whole plot. Is she's like, I'm tall, um, and that sucks. There's a scene where you look, they pan to her computer, and she's looking up height correction surgery. <laughs> oh my! Um, the only people I recognize in this movie were um, uh, Steve Zahn, who the dad in Diary of a Wimpy Kid. He, he was, <laughs> he was one of the uh, the apes in War for the Planet he of the was. Apes. That was actually, yeah, he's yeah. actually really good in that. Yeah. Um, oh. He's in this, he's the dad, and the mom is Angela Kinsey, Angela from The Office. Oh. But no one else I recognize at all. Um, and so a uh, a boy comes to the school, and he's a Swedish exchange, exchange student. Um, and he, you know, he really, he... 
loves her for who she is as a tall person, but then it's like, does does she actually love her for who she is? And then, spoiler alert for this movie, she gets with um, her very short friend who had been like with her like all along, and she realized that she loves her short friend. Um, <laughs> it is like truly one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, just so terribly written, just horribly acted, makes absolutely no sense um there's a scene where her dad invites just a bunch of tall people to their house to be like see there are other tall people and like it's like a tall society they're called like the tip toppers or something like that (laughs) the Um, the the one percent yes um and so yeah it just absolutely stinks um and something that is I think the funniest part of this movie is this movie is written by a guy named Sam Wolfson. He has one writing credit in this movie. And he's uh, on his personal details on IMDb. His height is 4'11". So a small man wrote the movie called Tall Girl. Is this based yeah. on like a book or anything? Like, I, You know, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't really care to find out. Um, but yeah, it stinks. Like, it was excruciating to get through like my roommates and i just like threw it on we were just like this sucks but we were just drawn into it and just had to finish it it but it was it's terrible it's so bad i left a review for it on letterbox and i said absolutely one of the worst things i've ever seen in my life wow Um, so yeah do you know if the actress is tall in real life she's that height yeah she's okay Okay. They're very clearly were like camera tricks and like ways that made it look like like they would just shoot it from like way over her shoulder. So it was like, oh, she's way taller than everybody. But then there would be shots where it's like, she's not that much taller. <laughs> <laughs> they're pretty close to her. So this is an original film. It's not it's not based on anything. Okay. And two, some news that David's going to be very excited about. Apparently on December 1st of 20 I'm reading I'm on Wikipedia right now. Mm-hmm. Apparently on December 1st it was announced that Netflix has set the writer to come back and write yeah. Tall Girl 2. Uh, and the the main actress is returning to star. Yeah, so we're getting we, another Tall Girl movie. We wow. my roommates and I looked this up. Unfortunately, I was I was aware. Um <laughs> makes me sad. Uh, also, just another very funny note is her friend's last, who she ends up with at the end, his last name is Dunkelman, and like the Swedish exchange student guy is always like, if, so that the Swedish exchange student guy is like living with her friend, like that's like the host family, and he refers to him as Dunkers, and he just keeps on saying <laughs> Dunkers the entire movie, um, and also like the only like mean insult that they that all the kids are saying to her about being tall they're just like what's the weather like up there and she's just like hmm <laughs> being tall is hard they don't come up with anything else that people are saying they're just like what's the weather like up there it's, it sucks <laughs> it's so bad so like again I'm still on I'm still on the Wikipedia page for this and I'm looking at the cast and they have like descriptions of each of the characters and they have Ava Michelle as Jody Kryman, uh, described as a very tall, self-conscious sixteen-year-old, <laughs> which I just, I, yeah, it's very good. It, good. Yeah, That's just, very good. yeah. These descriptions seem unnecessary, but are kind of funny. But yeah, 
Yeah, bad movie. Don't don't see it. <laughs> so moving on to you, Mia. What what have you been watching? Oh boy, I had to get my phone for this because I took angry notes while finishing this show. So I will be reading from this because these are all the reasons that I hated this show and it was a waste of time. It's going to be very hard to not swear because I was literally speaking to my computer like at least once every episode watching this show. It is Normal People. That's the name of it. Um, It's based on a book. I don't remember the author, but I believe that she helped like adapt it from the book into a screenplay. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, it, I think it only came out last year. It's on Hulu. It was like very, very well received, like critically acclaimed. For the life of me, I cannot figure out why. Like, oh my gosh, I have never come across a worse written story. The pacing was horrific. Like, it's this terrible story. Well, okay. It's a story about uh, a boy and a girl, and they're in high school. And she's a nerd, and she gets bullied. And she's also, uh, I can't swear, but she is just a terrible person. Just terrible. He's a little bit more likable. He's, like, popular. He plays rugby. It's set, I don't know if I said that. It's set in a small town in Ireland. Um, He... Like, his mom works for the girl's family, and she's very, very rich. And so they start hanging out, and it's obvious that she likes him. At the end of the first episode, they kiss for the first time. Flash forward about ten minutes into the next episode, which is episode two, they're already having sex. And they have sex five times in 20 minutes. Pretty good. Well, it's like in a car in his bed. No, it's it's stupid because like why do I care about this couple? Like, give me character development. I don't want to see them just boning. Like, I don't care. <laughs> and it's twelve episodes of this. They are the worst character. Well, she is the worst character in existence. He's actually very likable. He has a lot of character development. She's just kind of a the whole show. I'm sorry. I, I can I can bleep it. Okay, she's just she's terrible. She doesn't deserve him. He doesn't deserve her. Like she just needs therapy and to like move away from her family, and she doesn't do that at all. I I cannot explain to you how stupid this show was. And it was 12 episodes, about six hours, and I watched, like, three hours of it on Sunday night, and I was like, why am I doing this to myself? And then four episodes in, I was like, uh, I care enough about him, because it finally had shifted focus to actually just the guy in school. And I was like, okay, I actually care about him. He's not dating her anymore. Like, this is good for him. They get together, they break up. They get together, they break up. They try to continue a friendship, even though, like, that's impossible. Like, you, it's obvious they still have feelings for each other. They date other people and go through heartbreak. And, it's, and then they're still in each other's lives. And then at the, in the very final episode... They're dating, and they're in their, like, their last year of college, and they've kind of matured and talked through things, and the guy has had, like, phenomenal character development, and you actually care about him. I don't really care about the girl that much. And you're like, oh, yes, they're, they're gonna make it, and I kind of believe that maybe they're supposed to be together. In the last five minutes of the entire show, they break up. And, the like, the finale is, like, 
like, I'm going to New York and you're staying here and we'll be fine. And that was it. I can't, I, it was so bad. It was one of the most anticlimactic, like, just absolutely infuriating. Like, I would rather pull off my nails than watch another season of it. Like, it was so poorly written. Like, so cliche. They have the worst communication possible. Like, anyone watching this, like, an alien watching this would be like, is this how humans communicate and, like, continue on their existence? Like, their communication is so poor. So that's that's bad. I just finished the last episode, like, an hour ago, and I'm really quite furious that I wasted six hours of my life on that flaming piece of garbage. So. Yeah, while while you were talking about it, I, I, I looked I looked up normal people. Um, apparently, it's based on a book yes. uh, that came out in 2018. Uh, so, like, the book came out in 2018. The show came out in, like, spring of 2020. So there was a very quick turnaround on that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, apparently uh, the, the author that wrote the book also was one of the writers on the series. So I don't know yeah. if that's, like, a good thing or not. <clears throat> well. I don't even know. She wrote another book. Um, well, I think it was the book actually before this one came out. I think that the one, yeah, the one came out in 2017. And that one is being adapted into a TV series as well. And I think she's going to be one of the writers on that. Is I that, don't know. Uh, Conversations with Friends? Yes, and it's going to star Taylor Swift's boyfriend, Joe Alwyn, who he was in The Favorite. He's been in a, a couple of things. Hmm. Yeah. So. Um. So this was nominated for four Emmys, so maybe you're have you considered that you might be wrong? No. What what Emmys was it nominated for? <clears throat> um Outstanding Casting, Outstanding Directing for episode five, Outstanding Writing, Outstanding Writing, Mia <laughs> For episode me. Episode three. I don't know. For episode oh, specifically, specifically for episode three. What, can you do you know the title of the it's, it's called episode three. <laughs> okay, hold on. I will okay, one one good thing about this, probably the only good thing. The main actor or the actor, Paul Mescal. Yeah, he was nominated. Yeah. I can see that. He like it was it was very frustrating because he was phenomenal and like really, really well cast. Just very, very impressive. I think he's only like twenty five. Like, really, really good acting on his part. It was just so frustrating seeing him with, like, in such a stupid show. Like, oh my golly gracious. So, yeah, I I don't know. I truly don't know. So, you said it was episode three and five? Yes. Oh, eh, that one was alright. Episode five. And then that episode five was the directing? Yep. And this is from the same Mia who was like, I like the show The Politician, so I don't know. Please watch this show. Like, you're a good writer, and you're a good writer, and I'm a good writer, and we all could have written this so much. Like, maybe we should. I just write a TV show, guys. I, <laughs> I don't know. I can't put it into words. Like, how unbelievably cliche every character was, and the actress, the, the main character was so like one-dimensional and you're like oh surely we're not gonna fall into this cliche and then we would face plant into another cliche like i'm really angry that i spent just six hours watching this show 
So you said it was 12 episodes, so they were like half hour episodes? Yeah, between like 20 to 25, 30 minutes. Do you think those were good like lengths for the episodes? I think they were. I think they got a little bit shorter throughout the season. Like I think the last two episodes were like 20 or 23 minutes. Um, And I think the first couple were more like on the 30 minute side of things. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Do you guys ever, sorry, this is kind of a different topic, uh, but somewhat related just because I saw this was like, so uh, Normal People was like a, a mini series through like the BBC, I guess. Yeah. Um, and that reminded me of another, another mini series through the BBC. Do you guys ever watch Bodyguard? No. I watched the first episode of Bodyguard and oh. liked it, but then just didn't see anything else. It's, it's very good. That uh, Richard Madden. Yeah, Richard Madden. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The guy who I think looks like Rami Malik, but nobody else does. You are so wrong. Yeah, no, <laughs> I don't see it. <laughs> um, the jawline, maybe, and that's it. Yeah, uh, Bodyguard's pretty good. So if you're looking for a better BBC show to watch, you can watch that. I think that's only like six episodes. Or and they're like, and, uh, yeah. BBC? Yeah. Broadchurch is. Well, no. Did you ever watch Broadchurch? I did not. It was a very sad Scottish. Yeah. No? Might have been Scottish. I'm not sure. I don't know if it was BBC. Uh, I don't believe so. But it was David Tennant. So, <laughs> you know, that's very good. Anyway, that is my furious rant. So, on to you, Kyle. Um, just because both of you talked about something you very much didn't like, I felt the need to talk about something that I also did not think was very good. Um, so, I don't know if you guys noticed, but like while you were talking, I added something else to my to yes. my portion of the doc. Um, it's a movie called Blythe Spirit, uh, which opens at the Ross this week. And I didn't hate this movie, so I, I'm not going to rant about it like either, either of you ranted about your, your respective <laughs> things. Um, but it just wasn't very good. Like, it just... It's one of those movies that, like, you watch it, and it's vaguely enjoyable while you're watching it, but then as soon as the credits roll, you move on with your life. Um, So the basic premise of this um, is it's set in, like, the 1920s, I think, Um, and it's uh, in in England, and uh, the main character, played by Dan Stevens, is, like, this really successful, like, novelist. Um, And his first wife had passed away like five years prior to the start of the movie and he had since uh remarried uh, a character played by isla fisher um and one night him and his rich fancy friends they're all just hanging out and he they uh decide that it'd be fun to have uh have a medium uh like come into their house and basically just perform a seance uh just just for the for the for the heck of it um and this medium uh is played by judy dench um, and during this seance, uh, something goes wrong, I guess, uh, and she ends up bringing back his first wife, like, her spirit, like, back from the dead. Um, and his first wife is played by Leslie Mann, um, and so then the rest of the movie is just kind of this odd love triangle between this guy, his current wife, and his ex-wife who died. Um, and it's, the, the movie is a comedy. Like, it's, it's very much, like, taken with a comedic approach. Um, and it has, like, pretty funny moments here and there. Um, I think, I think uh, Leslie Mann, far and away, is the best part of this movie. She gives a great performance as, like, the, the ex-wife who, uh, like, her and her husband, like, kind of have, like, an affair type thing going on throughout the film. Uh, and then Isla Fisher is, like, not into that for obvious reasons. Um, and then it just kind of goes exactly the way you would expect. Like, uh, this guy is torn between the two, and then, like, yeah, it gets 
not violent, but like very dramatic. And uh, Leslie Mann's character, like she isn't like physically brought back to life. It's just like her spirit. So she's like a ghost. And like for most of the film, uh, Dan Stevens' character is the only one that can see her. But like he's convinced other people that oh. she is there. Um, okay. And yeah, so she gets upset because she's like, "Uh, you're with this wife who you've been with for five years. Why aren't you with me? Uh, and like refusing to accept that like he's moved on with his life. Um, and then so she just like straight up tries to murder him a few times. Nice. Um, and yeah, it's it seems like the ki- the type of story that would be very dramatic or like a, ty- a kind of horror movie, but it's just approached through the dire- like through the like context of a comedy and it doesn't really work. Um, again, it's fine when you're watching it, but like overall not not super impressed with with Blight Spirit. It was kind of fun seeing Judy Dench as a medium because uh, it was just kind of Judy Dench like in weird clothes just like saying random stuff and like <laughs> waving her hands in the air and she's like serves like a pretty large role in the movie um, and so it was just yeah Judy Dench in general is delightful um, so it was, it was fun just like seeing her at a point in her career where she just doesn't really have to care about what she does and you can tell she's just doing whatever and having fun with it. Um, so that was, yeah, that was fun at least. Nice. Did you know it was a remake of a movie from 1945? I did not know that, actually. Oh. Um, yeah, it seems like... It definitely, <laughs> now that you say that, that makes sense. Yeah. Like, it definitely has that kind of vibe to it. It was apparently like a wacky screwball comedy from 1945. Yeah, um, that that checks out. Uh, it won one Oscar for Best Effects. Huh. They are probably like shimmery ghost effect and they're like yes this is incredible yeah they're like you made it look like that person was transparent oh let's give you an oscar (laughs) um but yeah uh real quick another movie i watched this week which was the originally the only one i had on the dock was guardians of the galaxy volume 2 um i hadn't watched this movie in like years probably since like the year it came out i remember like not being super impressed by it but just like Age of Ultron last week, I think this movie's aged really well. Um, I think it's it's a ton of fun uh, seeing Kurt Russell as like the as Peter Quill's father slash spoiler alert I guess villain of the movie. Whoa! Because um, this movie came out almost four years ago, so That's wild. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, it was it was very good. I think it was. I I remember the first time I saw it, I thought it was notably like noticeably worse than the first Guardians of the Galaxy. And I still, I think I still prefer the first one, but by less of a margin now. I think, I think I very much enjoyed Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two now than I had initially. Um, you've both seen this. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's like, I feel like it's very like Age of Ultron-y, where I don't think it gets a lot of love, but I think it's like fairly on par with the first one. Like, I think the Avengers is definitely better than Age of Ultron, but I'm like. I don't think it's that much worse than the first one. And that's kind of the same thing with these two. I'm like, yeah, first Guardians of the Galaxy is better, is definitely better. But yeah, I think the second one's very fun. Yeah. I I like it because I you get more character development on Drax and mm-hmm. uh um oh my gosh, Mantis. Yeah. Mantis. Yeah. And I think their interactions, like it's it's just so well written. Um, like I remember la- like my dad laughing out loud at some of like Drax's lines and I think that yeah that just stands out to me like it's just so fun and I I feel like I really like the effects too toward the end um, with like the, the big battle scene like I just remember really liking that 
Yeah. Um, one thing that stood out to me about uh, this movie, because when I watched it, like, obviously I knew it was an MCU movie, like, recently, like, last week when I watched it. Uh, I, obviously I knew it was an MCU movie when I decided to watch it, but when I watched it, I kind of forgot about that and just kind of took it for, like, this weird sci-fi movie that it is. Um, and in that sense, I think it's great. Like, I think James Gunn makes an absolute, like, riot of just, like, a weird sci-fi comedy that I think this movie, like, could stand on its own very well outside of the MCU. Like, it's not as connected as most of the films are. Um, and it kind of felt, like, very kind of separated off from everything else that was going on in the MCU, um, which was kind of fun because it's just kind of James Gunn doing whatever he wants to do with these characters in space. Um, and, yeah, I had a really good time with it. I agree that uh, all the interactions between Drax and... Uh, Mantis were a ton of fun. Um, and I think that partially is uh, because of the performances from Dave Bautista and Palm... Clemente? That sounds right. Yes. Um, yeah, I thought they were both great. Um, and I thought, yeah, just the whole cast is is great. I think Yondu, uh, played by Michael Rooker, definitely gets a lot more to do in this movie than, than he does in the first uh, Guardians film. And so, yeah, if, if you haven't seen this movie in a minute, I would recommend going back and checking it out. It's It's aged pretty well. Nice. Um, so yeah, I guess from there we'll just jump into our news for the week. Uh, unlike last week, when, was it last week we didn't have a lot of comic book things? I think we had no comic book thing last week at all. Yeah, I think you're correct. I think we had the, the, the Zack Snyder Justice League trailer, yes. but that was it. Um, we've got a fair amount of comic book things this week. Uh, they seem to just be holding it off. Uh, but so yeah, we'll just we'll just jump into it. Uh, news that came out today is that Warner Brothers and DC are developing uh, a film based on the Blue Beetle character um, with. Uh, Angel Manuel Soto set to direct. Um, I don't know any of his work. I know the Blue Beetle is like a, a Latino character, um, so it'll be interesting to to see. I don't know. I, this will be correct me if I'm wrong, but this will be like assuming Marvel doesn't get to the punch first in any in any sense. But this will be like the first like big superhero movie with a with a Latinx lead. Correct. I believe so. If I'm not. Yeah, definitely at least from Marvel and DC. Yeah, yeah, definitely from that perspective. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know much about the Blue Beetle character. I know he's kind of a comedic character, um, and yeah. often Isn't has he the sidekick of Booster. Gold? I was about to say I know he works with Booster Gold quite a bit, um, but and I know that's like a character that is a very comedic character, and I've heard um, that character kicked around a lot as like a potential movie that they're gonna do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this looks could be could be fun. Yeah. You have anything to add here, Mia? Not really, no, but that's exciting, definitely. Yeah. Um, speaking of DC casting Latinx uh, performers in as major superheroes, uh, Sasha Kaye has been cast as Supergirl uh, in the Flash movie. Uh, uh, who, which is, uh, I just. Shut down. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, she's cast as Supergirl in the Flash movie directed by, uh, why, why uh, am I? Andy Machete. Andy Machete, yeah. Um, and this is the Flash movie with um, Ezra Miller in the in the lead role. This is like the Flashpoint, uh, supposedly a Flashpoint-inspired. Like Michael Keaton's going to be in it. Yeah, Michael. So Ben Affleck. And, yeah. yeah. Um, so there's going to be lots, lots of characters in this movie. There's been some people speculating that by putting Supergirl in this movie, they're just like basically replacing the role that Cyborg was supposed to have initially because we got the news a few weeks ago that they've written Ray Fisher's Cyborg out of this movie. So maybe they've replaced him with Supergirl. 
or Supergirl is just in the movie to begin with, and this is the first we're hearing about it. I tend to think it's that. Um, but yeah, uh, this is, I was about to say this was going to be the first time we've seen Supergirl on the big screen, but it is not. There was a Supergirl movies in, movie in the 80s. Yeah, that is a very bad Yeah, I've heard it was very bad. I think it's maybe set in the, like, same Christopher Reeve I think universe. so, too. I think it came out, like, around the time as uh, the fourth Christopher yeah. Reeve's uh, Superman. Have you guys seen any of the Christopher Reeve? I've seen movies? all of them. Nice. Um, wow. Not in a... Like, I've, yeah. most recently, I've seen the first uh, the first one. The other ones... I Like, I watched those four movies, like, all the time as a kid. Like, we had, we had like, a DVD box set of all four of them, and Very those good. were just playing on repeat at my house. Um, but I haven't watched the second through fourth ones in probably like mm-hmm. at least 10 years. Yeah, I've seen the first two a number of times, and I've seen like bits and pieces of the third and fourth because they're very bad. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I really like those movies. Um, but yeah. But yeah uh, I think it's really cool uh, that they've cast Sasha Kaye, uh in this role um, because... Again, this will be the first, like I guess, meaningful way we've gotten Supergirl on the big screen. Uh, pardon my voice crack. Um, and, yeah, I just think it's encouraging that they're casting someone who's not white <laughs> in, in the role. Um, like, they just went with the best performer. Um, and, yeah, I think that's exciting and encouraging to see. Um, yeah, moving on from there, we got the news that Danny Elfman, uh, who's most well-known for his various scores uh, on Tim Burton films and his work with Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy, uh, he's coming back to work with Sam Raimi on Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Um, this isn't the first uh, recent um, superhero movie Danny Elfman's done, because if you remember, Danny Elfman did the score for the 2017 Justice League. Uh, yeah, he was kind of thrown into that. Yeah. Hans Zimmer left, maybe. Yeah, because I think Hans Zimmer left around the same time Zack Snyder did. Um, and so when they replaced him with Joss Whedon and Danny Elfman. And I think Danny Elfman actually did a really good job scoring that movie. Um, he kind of just recycled a lot of the old themes. Yeah. <laughs> um, like he brought in like Tim Burton's Batman theme for a bit and uh, John Williams' Superman for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and kept some of the... Kept some of the um, Hans, Hans Zimmer stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think that's... He did the best with what he had time with, and that was just like, I'm just going to pull from a bunch of other things. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you guys remember uh, when Justice League came out, uh, Danny Elfman, like, came to the Ross? Uh, oh, no. Yeah. I had no idea that. Yeah. I actually, like, attended a Q&A with him uh, and, like, covered it for the nice. end. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was around the time Justice League was coming out, and I guess he was, like, doing promo stuff for it. Cool. Um, or maybe it wasn't, because I know it followed, like, a screening of The Nightmare Before Christmas. So maybe he was just no, cause he. I think it was around the time Justice League came out, but it was a few months prior because he was touring with uh, like a Berlin Philharmonic Quartet, and they were playing some of his new, just general like music stuff that's that's not tied to any films. Um, so he was already in town for that performance, um, and then he stopped by the Ross. Um, so yeah, that was kind of cool. Nice. Um, yeah, so I think this is exciting. I'm curious to see what Danny Elfman does with uh, the Doctor Strange score because I think the score for the first Doctor Strange movie is one of the best in the MCU because um, that's done by uh, Michael Giacchino. Um, and I think, yeah, just a lot of the, the musical motifs in that movie are excellent. Um, and I'm excited to see what Danny Elfman does with them. And it's cool to see him and Sam Raimi uh, teaming up again. Yes. Um, so, yeah, you guys have anything to add here? Exciting news. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, moving on. Also got more DC news. Uh, the Dwayne Johnson-led Black Adam film has cast uh, Marwan Kenzan uh, in an as of yet un, unnamed role. There's been a lot of speculation that it's uh, he's going to be playing Doctor Fate um, in this movie because there's been re- reports that the character is in the movie. Um, and so yeah, supposedly he's playing Doctor Fate. And for those of you that don't recognize the name, Marwan Ken, uh, Marwan Kenzari, uh, he played Jafar. Uh, in the live-action Aladdin from a couple of years ago. Um, and I thought he was actually pretty good in that movie. Again, I didn't, I didn't love that movie, but I thought his his performance was good. Um, and I think he was also in something here recently that was also pretty popular. I think it was a TV show on Netflix, but I do not recall which one. Um, but yeah, cool. Uh, mo- moving on from there. Uh, sorry, we were just we're flying through these. Um, right. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Right before we we started recording this, uh, some some strange things started happening on the on the front of Spider-Man Three, um, Spider-Man Three directed by John Watts, the the newest uh, Tom Holland Spider-Man film that supposedly has lots of multiverse happenings in it uh, that involve Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, but that's as of yet unconfirmed. Um, but we haven't gotten a title yet. Uh, we did just earlier get the first like pictures from the film they're kind of unexciting pictures they're just kind of uh peter parker ned and zendaya's character zendaya's character that uh, starts with an m well but she's mj she is mj yeah. but like they don't call her she mj it's, well they call her that in the first one but then they, they at like the very MJ end the, yeah in, like, in the second one don't they in the second one they're like yeah it's mj like, okay yeah what's what's her actual name oh, I, I don't gosh. remember I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember at all. Uh, let me look it up. Oh, that's going to really bother me. But yeah, uh, while, while David's looking that up, we got the first image, and it's just kind of the three of them standing in what appears to be a basement. Yeah. And there's some concrete and some weird lighting, and that's about it. And MJ's, or like, her outfit looks weird. Yeah, she, she has like a hat on or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, her name is Michelle. Michelle, that's it. But then if she's like... At the end of the first one, she's like, like, you can call me, some people call me MJ. No, my friends call my me friends MJ. My friends call me MJ. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, the the kind of big somewhat news here, somewhat not news, is uh, that Tom Holland and Jacob Batalon, uh, who play uh, Peter Parker and Ned, uh, are kind of trolling fans uh, by like announcing fake titles for the movie. So everyone's kind of been assuming the new the new title will have something to do with the name, the word home, because the first one was Spider-Man Homecoming, and then we got fi- Spider-Man Far From Home. Um, and so they individually tweeted out Spider-Man Phone Home. I believe Tom Holland did that one. And then Jacob Batalon tweeted out Spider-Man Homewrecker. Um, and both like had like actually like made up logos and that kind of stuff and really threw people off at first. And then everyone's kind of like, yeah, I think they're just joking. Um, so yeah, this kind of makes me think that we're going to get an actual title announcement like here soon, yeah, probably in the coming so. days. Um, maybe even a trailer. That'd be cool. Because it's coming out this year. So. Yeah. I, granted, yeah. it's not coming out to like December. Yeah. yeah. Um, so maybe we get just a very, very early teaser trailer. Yeah. But also there's like multiple other Marvel movies between now and then. Like there's, we've still got Shang-Chi and the Eternals that we haven't gotten trailers for. And mm-hmm. both of those come out before Pretty Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, but also Spider-Man's through Sony. So Sony's going to do what Sony wants to do. So yeah, I guess that's kind of exciting. Do you guys have anything else to add here? Yeah, I, I'm very excited for this movie. Um, 
based on those very vague photos we got, seems like could be some sort of element of like Peter Parker needs to hide out because his identity has been revealed. I think that'll at least play a pretty decent part in, I think at least, you know, like the first chunk of this movie, I think they could very easily just be like, Doctor Strange did some magic and everyone forgot about it. Or, <laughs> or like, just he goes to court and they're like, you're not Spider-Man. Like someone else just dresses up as Spider-Man and swings in. He's like, and they're like, well, guess he can't be Spider-Man. And they just kind of resolve it really quick. They just kind of resolve it like they did, uh, like Loki taking over Asgard at the end of Thor 2. And then they just finish it up in like the first 10 minutes of yep. Thor Ragnarok. Yep. They're like, no, we're not dealing with this. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that happening. But also I think it could be really cool if it's like a, you know, he has to deal with some sort of threat, but he also is on the run. I don't even know why he would be on the run. Because it's not like... Would he be a, a criminal? Like, I don't think he would be. I mean... It seemed like Mysterio kind of, like, framed him for, for killing Mysterio. Oh, this, this is yeah. true, though. Yeah. yeah. He was like, he shot me with a gun, and I died. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess he would be a, a murderer in this scenario. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that could be cool. Um, also, there's a rumor that, they're, that I saw today that uh, they're casting for a courtroom scene in that movie. So could be uh, Daredevil showing up. I want that to happen. So. I think it'd be pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Interesting. So much. You are <laughs> you are a, a big a big Spider-Man fan here. So do you have any spider thoughts? <laughs> spider thoughts. Uh, no official spider thoughts. I think I'm going to learn as little about this movie as possible because that's what I do with movies that I'm really looking forward to. Like, sometimes don't watch the trailer. Well, we're going to send it to you and make I you... won't watch it. We're going to... If this trailer comes out before the end of the semester, we're going to make you watch it and talk about it on this podcast. Yeah. That's your job, Mia. Your so business. now you just you have to hope that the trailer doesn't come out this semester. What are the odds? I think they're pretty high that they would come out. That like, would, yeah. I think like a, te- like a really early teaser trailer that Probably like doesn't reveal anything. It's like five seconds. Yeah. I, I think maybe that. like, just like, I don't know, random shots that don't make sense and then a reveal of like maybe Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield at the end to like yeah. announce that. Um, I think, I think, just because everyone kind of assumes that anyway. So I, I think but if... But they put that in a teaser? In a teaser trailer? <laughs> a teaser trailer? <laughs> In a teaser trailer or the first official trailer? I, if I was an executive, I don't know, I would, I wouldn't put it in the teaser. I think I would make them wait for it more. I think just because everyone basically already knows at this point, maybe just have it very quickly at the end of the teaser trailer, just to kind of confirm that and get people even more excited to see it. Or you just hear Tobey Maguire like, like, uh, yeah, like, like there's a there's a portal, and Tom Holland just like looks at the camera, and you see some glowy things, and then you hear Tobey Maguire just go pizza time, and then it's like <laughs> it's the Spider Man three logo. Man, they better they better in, incorporate the Tobey Maguire like Spider Man like theme music in. This yeah. movie, like they've I'm got sure to. they will, and then they'll do the Amazing Spider-Man one. Just too, the Amazing Spider. I don't even recall what the Amazing Spider-Man one sounds like. I do because I just watched that movie. So. Is it is it good? Yeah, I really, I think it's actually pretty good. Uh, it's by James Horner, who did like Titanic. And nice. Stuff, so. Yeah, that's pretty good. Cool. Uh, one last comic book thing. Uh, we we've got. So I, I wasn't going to talk about this, but David specifically asked that we talk about this. We got another image of Jared Leto's Joker 
from... They just keep on just dropping them out there, like just little breadcrumbs that taste like garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but this image in particular uh, has Jared Leto sitting, uh, on, sitting on a chair again, but this time he has a, a, a crown of thorns, uh, mimicking the, the obviously very well-known uh, Jesus imagery. The very well-known. They were going to say, the very well-known Jesus. <laughs> like, <they just laughs> that guy that most people have heard about. Yeah. Um, which, it seems weird. that Zach, So Zack Snyder is notorious for... His, his use of Jesus imagery. Um, he does it in like all of his movies. It seems kind of weird that he's doing it with the Joker. Um, that seems a little odd. But... Anything. Like if he was, you know, very religious, I feel like that would be sacrilegious to be doing that. To be like, Jesus is this maniac. <laughs> like, it feels like a weird thing to do. But... Yeah. Like it seems like this, I get the vibe from this image that this has absolutely nothing to do with what's actually in the Snyder Cut. It just kind of is a weird image they took and decided to release. Yeah, it's like they were doing like a weird, like angsty photo shoot, like like Joker <laughs> photo shoot, and they were just like, "What if you had a crown of thorns on?" And he was looking at this guy, like. But imagine though, imagine if this was like a shot in the movie, for no reason. It just <laughs> he just shows up wearing a crown of thorns that's never addressed. No. Not at all. Um, I guess we'll find out in less than a month. I guess we will. Uh, do we want uh, to some some brief other Snyder cuts uh, things that were talked about? Was we almost got a Snyder cut with like like just like no music, no visual effects, and no color. Like that that was like one of Warner Brothers like offers to him, and just like just release what you got, like re- and just just. just uncut and just just do it just release an unfinished product yes yeah, so um, we don't have to spend the 80 million dollars that we're spending on this, on this to honestly it. before they like announced the snyder cut was happening i thought that there was a possibility that they would do that just get it out there so people can see it um i'm glad they didn't do that now that they're doing this yeah um but yeah um and Zack snyder also said that he wanted to add a bruce wayne and lois lane romance uh, but Warner Brothers said, no thanks. And I say, thank you, Warner Brothers, yeah, for nope. not making us sit through that. He said, the intention was Bruce fell in love with Lois and then realized that the only way to save the world was to bring Superman back to life. I feel like they just took that exact idea and applied it to Bruce Wayne falling in love with Wonder Woman. Because remember, the, yeah. there was like the kind of yeah. like romance between Bruce Wayne and Diana Prince in Justice League that like, would, like yeah. didn't work, no. but they like kept going at it. Like it just there, there was weird like <laughs> the happiness I feel not knowing. Anything. I know, yeah. I yeah. like just <laughs> you just get to like sit outside and watch all of the insane madness around yes. this movie. Uh, there's weird like violent sexual tension between them where oh. they like they have a little conflict and then she like pushes him and then he's like oh. Yeah. yeah yeah he's not making that up like that yeah is, like yeah. he like he she talks about not taking chances or something and then he's like well, what about your boyfriend uh chris pine he doesn't say chris pine obviously <laughs> uh but it's, and then she pushes him and it's just very dumb there's a bit where like she walks in while he's like taking off the bat suit and she like he, like fixes like one of his wounds or something yeah, she like pops his shoulder back yeah because he dislocated it but like he doesn't his like shirt isn't completely off he's like a weird like bulletproof vest on that just is all puffy and weird yeah <laughs> like, oh my heavens i rewatched that movie 
terrible. Like, it's so bad. And if, if I remember correctly, they kind of just drop that romance halfway through yeah. the movie. Like, after, I think, that scene, like, or they just never mention it again. Yeah, not really at all. Yeah. Maybe we'll get more of it in the Snyder Cut. I kind of think we won't. I, that that's that kind of feels like something that Joss Whedon yeah, would have added. Yeah, that feels like a, a Joss Whedon. We need to add some levity and romance and yeah. fun times. It kind of it kind of felt similar to the Bruce Banner, uh, yeah. Black Widow romance yeah. in Age of Ultron. Yeah, or just kind of like thrown in there suddenly. And then and then like in huh. Infinity War, they're just like. Oh, yeah, hi. I haven't been able to talk to him recently. That's like literally. Yeah, and then they yeah. see each other and like, oh hey, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh, I won't ever forgive that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's all the that's all the comic book uh stuff we've got to talk about. The most exciting news from this week, by far, uh, is the fact that we are getting Paddington three. Let's go. <laughs> so, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not joking either. Like I, Paddington. So, our listeners may, I don't know if we've talked about Paddington on this podcast before. We probably have. Um, but the first two Paddington movies, like no joke, are incredible. Like they are absolutely amazing movies. Like they're the, I think they are the peak of what children's cinema should be, mm-hmm. uh, and they're just so much fun and way better than they have any any like room to be or and yeah and so the fact that we're getting a Paddington 3 just makes me very very happy um because the the first one came out for the, both of them came out like several years ago and didn't do particularly well at the box office like i think the second one made less than the first one did mm-hmm. um so it kind of just looked like we weren't going to get a third one but i feel like over the past several years these movies have have gotten a following uh following online of diehard paddington fans <laughs> like us <laughs> yes um so we are we are getting a third paddington film unfortunately uh the the director of the first two is not coming back for this one he will be involved as a producer i believe um but he's not directing this cuz he's too busy directing the weird Willy Wonka thing that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the Tom Holland Timothy Chalamet Willy Wonka. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, Paddington Three. Are you guys excited? I'm so excited, and I think in the lead up to this movie, we should do a Paddington podcast called Paddington. <laughs> I love it. Let's talk about yes. marmalade and yes. bears. <laughs> marmalade and bears. <laughs> Rank bears. Like species. Species? Or species. Um, species is what you said. <laughs> species. There you go. That's what I said. I didn't. <laughs> um, like black bears versus polar bears versus grizzly bears. Wow, it sounds like fascinating content. <laughs> it sounds like Dwight Schrute. Like something Dwight Schrute would yeah, talk about. Yeah, okay. Um so uh Paddington uh, in in the Paddington films is is wonderfully voiced by Ben Wishaw, but do you guys know who was originally on board to voice Paddington in these movies and dropped out like six months before the first one came out? And I think they, I did know, but I don't remember. It was Colin Firth. Yeah, Colin Colin Firth was supposed to be the voice of Paddington, but like six months before the movie came out, he's like, "No, nah, I'm not doing this." You would have been like, "Cause." Paddington is supposed to be kind of a child. He's a boy. Yeah. So that would have been very weird. <laughs> yeah, I think Ben Ben Wishaw is like objectively the correct choice. Yeah, yeah. He he's fantastic. Um so yeah, uh moving on from that, uh so this kind of connects into Paddington because Paddington so Wes Anderson, uh his next film 
reportedly is going to be starring Michael Sarah and Jeff Goldblum. The reason I say this kind of ties into Paddington is because Paddington 2 is basically a Wes Anderson film. Like, it just, the, it very much gives off that vibe. Um, w- to be clear, Wes Anderson had absolutely nothing to do with Paddington 2. They were just kind of imitating his style. Um, but yeah, so the next Wes Anderson movie supposedly has Michael Sarah and Jeff Goldblum in it. And I think that is quite the pairing. Uh, like, just imagine these two on screen acting off of one another in a film directed by Wes Anderson. It's going to be, it's going to be something. Uh, I'm not the biggest Wes Anderson fan in the world, um, but I know Mia's a big Wes Anderson fan. So Mia, are you, are you, are you excited about this? So excited. I think, I feel like Jeff Goldblum works perfectly in anything Wes Anderson related. I was just thinking, has he been in anything? Um... Jeff Goldblum? Goldblum. Has he been in anything? He he voiced a character in Isle of Dogs. I know that. Oh, really? Um, Yeah. Um, He he was the one... Have you seen Isle of Dogs? Oh. Okay. He's the one that's like always like, oh, did you hear hear the rumor? Uh, Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, Wes Anderson... Jeff Goldblum is also in Grand Budapest Hotel. I think he, yeah, does, yeah, I feel like he has a small role wasn't in he that the, movie. Wasn't he the guy who gets murdered? Yeah. yeah. And then you are... see, like, his hands yeah. or something? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I'm correct. I, he is great in the existing Wes Anderson films. We should watch uh, Grand Budapest Hotel sometime. It's pretty good. Please. It's pretty fun. The yeah. soundtrack? It's so good. Mia is, Mia is making Mine just very, very excited gestures right It's now. so good. The way that they, ah, uh, I could go on. <laughs> it's so, so good. Gosh, I freaking love Wes Anderson. He's so, he's pretentious, I think, but I, I am too. He so. definitely makes the kind of movies that you're only going to like if you're into movies. Like, I feel like any... Wow, wow Kyle, wow. Well, no, uh, no, I, I like, <laughs> no, no, legit, I, like, I, do, I can't imagine, like, showing a Wes Anderson film like, to my dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, like, having him be like, oh, yeah, this is very good. Like, no, I, I do not think that would happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One day, though, I, I will... Hmm, that was going to sound weird. <laughs> I'm going to force you to watch Isle of Dogs and Fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh, because Fantastic Mr. Fox is a, is a ton but of fun. Like they are both very good films. I refuse. No. Come on. If I watch at least at least watch Fantastic Mr. Fox. Like I Love Dogs, like is is great, but Fantastic Mr. Fox is like a classic. Okay. So like, good. Yeah. As long as you don't make me watch Shaun the Sheep. It's mostly a bit of this. David David like, <laughs> David is trying to get us to throw hands at him. Yeah, like, yeah. it's mostly just a joke. But I also just don't like claymation. Actually, so. he's also sorry. I just I knew this is what he's in. He's in the Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. Is it Zizou or is it Zizzo? I don't know. It's that was I, I think that's like Wes's first. It's one of his first. Oh, I think it was at least the first, first like big one. big one. Yeah. Okay. I actually have not seen that one. I have so. not as, as well, but I. Yeah, I think the only Wes Anderson films I've seen are uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Isle of Dogs, and Grand Budapest Hotel. Moonrise Kingdom? Oh, I have seen Moonrise Kingdom. Okay. Moonrise Kingdom is also very good. I only saw it once. It's it's kind of weird. It's but weird. It's not it's, my favorite. Yeah. It's... Oh, now we're just 
on Wes Anderson kid. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I had seen the first one that I actually saw was Isle of Dogs, and I had just gone like with a friend because it was like it was mm-hmm. when it came out, and then I was like, oh my gosh, who is this? And then I had like four or five movies of his that I could just watch. Oh, it was a great. Have, great have I told you guys about my experience seeing Isle of Dogs in theaters? I feel like I have. I think so. It's ringing bells. I so I I went on a date. Yes. Uh, with yeah, it was a first date with a girl. Uh, we we went and saw Isle of Dogs. There was not a second date. <laughs> um, I, I think she was not. I don't think she was quite into into Isle of Dogs. I don't know why. I think I had to review it for the DN or something. So I was like, I'm going to this movie. Do you want to come with? Uh, and she was like, All right, yeah. And then yeah, I don't think I talked to her after that day. <laughs> Sad. I was I was gonna say I'm like I'm assuming this was your idea to go see. Isle oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. She was That's like, unfortunate. <laughs> Which, I mean. Which I feel like Isle of Dogs is is not a date movie, or at least like not a first date yeah, movie maybe. like you only go to see Isle of Dogs on a date if you for sure know the person you're with is going to enjoy like Wes Anderson. I I, I feel like that's not like you throw someone in cold to a Wes Anderson film. Like I, I feel like why though? I mean, granted, I mean, I'm very into movies, but like just. Like, pick the lighting, the framing, the color theme, the soundtrack. Like, any of those things, you don't have to love movies to be like, wow, that's incredible. Yeah, but also I feel like maybe you do have to love movies to be like, look at the colors of that movie. Like, you know, for most no. for most people. I'm actually going to agree with Dave so. here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, I think bringing somebody on a first date and just being like, claymation dog. <laughs> This is the first time you have met me. Claymation dogs. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and and Kyle, you know, it all worked out for you in the end. Yeah. So it's good. But like, I understand. I understand why you didn't get the second date. Maybe maybe that is. It makes for a fun story. The, it does. the bar though that needs to be set, like claymation if, dogs. If they if they can't get through claymation dogs, are they even worth? Are they go- even worth a if second? You, okay, if you ta- if you had taken Kayla though to see to see Isle oh, of Dogs, I would not have gotten a second date with Kayla if <laughs> really? if I took no <laughs> no. Well, maybe I don't know. I feel like she would have thought it was we- like really weird, but like I don't know, potentially. This is so strange to me. I just don't Mia's find like, it that weird. Mia's like, I take all of my first dates to see Isle of Dogs. <laughs> to, to to add some context here, like me, uh, Kayla's not like big into movies. Yeah. Like she she enjoys like some things here and there, but like isn't like she 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 deals with me talking about movies all the time. It's like yeah, and, uh, then uh, on the opposite end, I deal with her physics, uh, which <laughs> I do not understand. Um, but yeah. Anyway. Uh, moving on to our, our next our next bit of news for the week, uh, The Great Gatsby, which we talked about, I think, recently on the podcast about how that, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast or not. We might have just talked about it on our own. Um, but yeah, The Great Gatsby is, is part of the public domain now, so it means pretty much anyone can adapt it in whatever way they see fit. So we're getting an animated movie of The Great Gatsby. Um, I read the article that, uh, like, reported this and it didn't say what studio it was for i think it's just generally happening and then they'll fish it around to studios i guess um but yeah i i'm not terribly interested in this i know david has quite the take on what he wants to see from the great gatsby um so i'll just i'll just pass it along to you dave muppet's great gatsby baby let's do it <laughs> that's all you want i think besides the ending of i guess spoiler alert for the great gatsby 
um, of uh, Jay Gatsby getting shot and dying in a pool. That probably wouldn't work for a Muppets movie. Um, but everything else, amazing. That would be so good. Like, uh, I think what you either you make them like all Muppets or you're like Gatsby is not a Muppet or no Gatsby is a Muppet Nick, everyone else I think Nick should not be a Muppet I think Nick should be a human and he's telling the story of all these Muppets mm. um, and then because I think you have to do Jay Gatsby is Kermit the Frog I mean I mean <laughs> and and the thing is he's always looking at the green light on the pier so it's perfect and then he's like you know he says it's not you know it's not easy being green <laughs> Wow. And then Miss Piggy's Daisy. Miss Perfect. This Perfect. is incredible. Um, I have a confession. You, you have never read Gatsby. I've never read or seen any of the films, so I have absolutely no idea how, how any of this plays out. I like, really... I don't even really have a vague idea of how this story plays oh, out. Well, sorry, spoiler alert. Yeah, I guess, I guess <laughs> oh, it dies in the end. I, I did not. I genuinely did not know that. Sorry. <laughs> I read it in high school, and then I... Nice. I read it. David's playing with his Chick Fil A cup. Sorry. Sip, sip, joy. That's strange. That's, 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 sorry, I'm just reading things. Uh huh. I can read. Yay. Yay. Like <laughs> anyway, you read The Great Gatsby. I did. I read it in high school because I was on a huge pretentious F. Scott Fitzgerald kick, and I was like, I'm not you know, like but... other girls. I like <laughs> books. Stupid. But then I went back and read it a second time this summer, and it was. Like so, so much better. Like good. it's 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 good. Hot take. Great Gatsby's a pretty good book. <laughs> very, very yeah. good. That's really unfortunate though. You yeah. Were, you didn't. Have you to weren't read forced it. to read it for school. I was not. Um, so TLDR, my senior year, I think. So my high school. I don't want. I don't want to talk ill upon my high school, but they were a little behind the curve in terms of uh, requiring us to read like relevant books. Um, so, like, my senior year, they basically just gave uh, put us, all the seniors, in one English class and were like, hey, here's a list of, like, a hundred-some books. Pick, like, five or six of them and read them over the course of the semester. And Great Gatsby was one of those books. It was just not one that I chose to read, though there were people in my class that did read it. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, last bit of uh, general movie news we've got. We've got some other like TV stuff and some trailers to talk about. Um, but the last bit of general movie news uh, is the next film from Ari Aster, um, who, why am I blanking on the films that Ari Aster's directed? Hereditary Midsummer. Okay, yes, uh, Hereditary Midsummer, um, which I'll, I'll talk about my oh, thoughts on those gosh. movies here in a bit. Um, but yeah, Ari Aster, uh, his next film for A24 is called Disappointment Boulevard, and it's starring Joaquin Phoenix. Um, Disappointment Boulevard is the street that I live on. <laughs> that you were born. I feel like Disappointment oh. Boulevard could just be the name of a Joker movie. Mm, yeah. Like I feel like you could just rename it and no one would question it. That would be something that yeah. would be so on the nose for that. Like, but that would be perfect for that movie. This being like Arthur Fleck lives on Disappointment <laughs> Boulevard and he just sucks. <laughs> I kind of want to watch Joker again sometime. I do too because uh, I want to see if I hate it as much as I hated it. Yeah, I've noticed this is kind of just derailed into a conversation about Joker. Um, as all but, good conversations should. Yes. Um, yeah, I've noticed so like when we came out of that movie, I remember me and I very like passionately defending that movie and David very passionately yep. arguing against that movie. Um and I don't know, maybe it's just like the social kind of atmosphere around Joker, but it's made me kind of d 
dislike the movie a little bit yeah. as I've as like time has gone on. Um, but also I haven't watched the film basically since it came out. Hmm. Um, so I kind of want to go back and watch it again and see like genuinely what my thoughts are now. Um, like I feel like I would have a more like informed opinion on it. Yeah. Um, Didn't you rewatch it? I rewatched it sometime during quarantine. Well, yeah, sometime during quarantine. So probably like April ish, maybe of last year. Which when did it come out? It was like fall twenty nineteen. Yeah, okay. it, was, it was October. Okay, October. So I think yeah, the difference in time between seeing it the first and second time was enough time to like have opinions formed about it like on on like social media um and then going back and watching it a second time i think maybe i didn't like it as much just because it kind of became more like a culty thing where i was like you either like it or you hate it and i think what i liked about it like i like i continue to like those elements like the soundtrack i still think is incredible and the acting is good um I think one time you and I had, we when last Oscars, um, when Greta Gerwig hadn't been nominated, and Kyle, I remember you saying, well, but over the list of people who shouldn't have been nominated for Greta to be nominated, and you, you and I were both like, show pick. Yeah, so. Yeah. Something Phillips? Todd Phillips. Todd Phillips. I was yeah. Like, I don't think he should be nominated for that, to be honest. <laughs> I'm still conflicted on but yes, I think going and seeing it a second time now that you have a different opinion would be would be worthwhile. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, what do you guys think about Joaquin Phoenix being in Ari Aster's next film? Yeah. So is it going to be like a horror movie or? I assume or so. Yeah. That's kind of what he does. Um, I can see Joaquin Phoenix just being a a crazy man. In yeah. Movie, right? I, I feel like that. Joaquin Phoenix definitely matches the vibe of an Ari Aster movie. Um, Yeah. Which, just to quickly throw out there, I'm not a fan of Ari Aster. I thought Hereditary was okay, um, and I really did, really disliked Midsummer. Like, I just, I admit, like, he's undoubtedly a talented director. Like, he very much knows what he's doing. Those are very well crafted and artful films. I just did not enjoy watching them whatsoever. <laughs> that blows my mind. Yeah. I really don't. It seems to be, which is kind of unexpected, uh, at least I, I consider it to be unexpected, but it seems to be one of my hottest takes. Uh, yes, because yes. you and I almost always agree on things, but that, yeah. I can't, they're just stomach. I don't know, they're just not for me, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, moving on from that, uh, some quick TV news. HBO Max is developing a TV show based on Constantine, uh, the comic book character. I believe he's a DC character. Um, Constantine's had a lot of adaptations before. There was like an early 2000s movie starring Keanu Reeves. Um, then the character also got his own TV show on the CW uh, a while back, or like earlier, like mid-2010s, I think. Um, and... So apparently this show has spun out of uh, the Justice League Dark show that they were developing for HBO Max, and I believe J.J. Abrams was involved with that. So maybe he's involved with this as well. Um, but I guess it's just a Constantine show now. Maybe I assume it'll like introduce the characters of like Justice League Dark, and maybe it spins off into a Justice League Dark show. Maybe they're just starting with Constantine and moving from there. Um, I kind of wish they had just stuck with Justice League Dark, like, we've already got a Constantine show, and I feel like it'll be kind of confusing to get another Constantine show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I'm generally familiar with the character just because 
they kind of connected the yeah they kind of connected the the like the NBC Constantine show to the Arrowverse and like that character was on some Arrow shows. Yeah. Thought it was pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like I probably would have preferred more of just like he was a member of a team than focusing on him. But yeah, yeah. Do you have anything to add? No, don't know the character. Cool. Um, yeah, and then the last TV thing we need to talk about, uh, Tim Burton is developing a live-action series uh, based on Wednesday Addams uh, from the Addams Family uh, for Netflix. Um, who's asking for this? Who wants <laughs> me, this? Me wants this. I don't, I don't really care. <laughs> I'll say, d- explain to us. Nah, you, yeah. good. <laughs> um, yeah. I thought this was like, We'd kind of already heard about this because I think they had said that Tim Burton was doing some sort of Adam Family thing, but I guess they just decided it was going to be this thing. Did Tim Burton direct the the Adams Family movies? I don't think so. I think we've had this conversation where we like assumed he had done yeah, it. Yeah, they definitely seem like, like they would be up his alley. Um, those were directed by Barry, yeah, Barry Sonnenfeld, so not, not Tim Burton. Huh. Has Tim Burton um, done anything with Adam's family before? I do not think so. That's genuinely surprising. Yes. Um, happen. But yeah, you know, I'm sure he'll he'll definitely get the vibe right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not concerned about him like messing up the tone of the Adam's family. Yeah. So hmm. yeah, this will be fine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, so yeah, moving on to our last bit of news for the week. Uh, it's actually a trailer. We got the trailer for Cruella. We talked about the posters for Cruella last week. Um, and now we've, we've got a full trailer. And I'll be honest, I think this trailer is pretty good. Uh, I, thought, I thought it looked interesting. I thought Emma Stone looks fantastic in this movie. Um, she seems to be giving a great performance. And I think just like the premise itself seems pretty, pretty intriguing, like setting it in like a, like a punk rock London from like the 70s. Um, is is an interesting choice, and I think the character of Cruella Deville like fits really well with that. Um, there's been a lot of jokes going around online about how this movie is basically just Disney's Joker, um, which I think those jokes are warranted. It definitely kind of has that vibe, um, but I'm I'd be lying if I said I wasn't extremely curious to see what this movie ends up being. Um, so yeah, what do you guys think? What are your thoughts on the Cruella trailer? Yeah, I don't really care about this like i think i was never a fan of 101 dalmatians um i don't think that character is particularly interesting i just yeah i definitely understand the sentiment of this is just like joker but kind of for kids but maybe not like i think you're just gonna end with her being like i hate society and I'm going to see a dog at my lowest moment and just be like, I hate all dogs. Like, that's just going to be how it resolves. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. What, don't, what are your thoughts, Mia? You know, I don't have overwhelmingly strong thoughts about this. I honestly may have not seen 101 Dalmatians in its entirety. It's been a long time since I watched okay. them. Yeah, who knows if I honestly even have, like... Okay. I, I don't remember at all. So. Okay. So yeah, I don't I don't really know. I think the trailer does look good and I think yeah, just visually like I think it's set up. Um who yeah, did, I mean it definitely looks interesting. Do you guys know who directed this? Mm-hmm. Uh, Craig Gillespie. I know that name. Yeah, he did, I think we looked it up last time. Oh, this guy directed I Tanya. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, and then there's another very 
big one that he did. Uh, Million Dollar Arm, Finest Hours, what? Lars and the Real Girl. Yeah, Lars and the Real Girl. I have never heard of Lars and the Real Girl. But it's so good. I have seen Finest Hours, and that was pretty good. But Is that the one where they're... It's like uh, Chris Pine on a ship. Yeah, Chris, yeah Chris Pine on a ship. It's a, it's a Disney movie. And then he also did Million Dollar Arm, which is also a Disney movie. And I think that's like John Hamm, and he's a baseball coach or something yeah. like that. Huh. Um, anyway, yeah. Yeah, I probably won't see it. <laughs> I'll be honest. So well, you're gonna see it for this podcast, even though no, it'll be it's a long time from now. <laughs> nah. All right. Uh, so from there, we'll just move into our, our main topic of the week. So our main topic this week, we've just decided. So with Wandavision recently, and just generally some some various other bits of movie news, we've just had like the '90s on the mind. So we we've decided to try and decide what our what the most 90s 90s movies we've seen are uh, like what are what are our favorite 90s movies and what movies have we seen that we think just define the 90s as a as a decade in film from three people who were all alive in the 90s but don't remember little to any of it yes <laughs> so, especially me who was alive for 11 days of the 90s <laughs> i like that that's yep. a good take funny um, yeah, so we're, there's not going to be a lot of structure to this. I think we can just look at our letterbox and see what 90s movies stand out to us. I have a, I have a great one. Yeah, so we can with. start with you, Mia. Beautiful. So I was just looking at my letterbox, and I was drawn. My eye was drawn to Strictly Ballroom. I don't know if either of you have seen that. I have not heard of it. I have no, no idea what that is. It is very 90s. It's 1992, so it's a little, it, it's, it's a tiny bit 80s, I'll be honest. I think it's, I don't know if it's an American film set in Australia or if it is an Australian. Oh, it's by uh, Bob Lerman. Oh, that makes me like it less. That's unfortunate. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Uh, he did Moulin Rouge, which you hate. Romeo and Juliet. Uh, did he do that? Yeah, it was like a trifecta of like, oh, he the, the Romeo plus Juliet movie. Yes. That movie is awful. I... That movie is garbage. And then it's it's Moulin Rouge. And then what's the 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 final one that he did? It, it well, was he like did, a series he, of he did. I don't know exactly what you're talking about, okay. but he did the Great Gatsby movie from 2013, Kyle. No. I think that's actually like a legitimately good movie. So. Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard that. Yeah. But... Yeah, okay, what, what, is, what is Strictly okay, Ballroom? Okay, so Strictly Ballroom, it is about um, this... Oh, it is Australian. Okay, yeah. Um, there are these two folks, and I haven't seen it in a very long time, so give me grace. I don't know. Basically, it's this couple who... I think the girl is kind of a nerd, and the guy is like this really talented dancer. He's a ballroom dancer. And... Per the title and for some reason his partner I think gets injured and so she has to like take his her place the the main actress and uh, yeah they just are in this ballroom dancing competition and it's so over the top it's ridiculous and I think it fits perfectly into the 90s vibe so early 90s but it, it's just very extravagant i mean it's ballroom dancing so the outfits are crazy i think the music is like very extravagant as well it's very strange so 
This is actually, it's called the Red Curtain Trilogy. So it's this movie, Romeo plus Juliet and Moulin Rouge. So (laughs) similar sort of vibes of just, this is a love story and it kind of sucks. But yeah. So I have not seen Moulin Rouge. Um, I feel like this podcast has just been me being like, I haven't seen this movie. Um, well, that's mostly what Mia says. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any thoughts on this. No thoughts. Uh, um, but I saw like a clip from Moulin Rouge earlier this week, and I didn't realize that the songs in that movie were like contemporary songs. And that was just like, wow, this is not what I expected it, it to be. But such a weird movie. And it's terrible. And I hate that the one scene where they sing Come What, Wait, Come what May, great song, terrible movie, but this, the scene is, like, so dramatic. Like, so, so dramatic. And it's beautiful. Like, Ewan McGregor, like, beautiful voice. And Nicole Kidman, like, their harmony is fantastic. I did not realize Nicole Kidman was in this movie. I didn't oh, either. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and but, yeah, it sucks. That show's on Broadway, or was on Broadway, um, and they have even like more contemporary songs like it's like panic at the disco oh. <laughs> yeah yeah that's bad that's fun um so i want to go next uh just because the the movie i want to talk about i think is one of the most iconic films from the 90s and also happens to be one of my favorite films oh, I know what this is. Uh, uh it might not be what you think it is mm-hmm. uh, i, I want to I talk about the big lebowski um, I was incorrect. So, what, what did you think I was Jurassic going to Park say? Uh, I do have Jurassic Park pulled up in another tab, nice. but I assume Mia wants to talk about Jurassic Park because Mia always wants to talk about Jurassic Park. Yeah, dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, The Big Lebowski. Man, I love this movie. Have, have you guys seen this? Mm-hmm. You have to watch this I movie. Know. It is absolutely hilarious and just completely off the wall and not what you expect it to be and it's like infinitely quotable uh and all of the the cast is absolutely fantastic uh from uh john goodman uh as uh why 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 am i why am i uh blanking on his name uh, the name of the character um but anyway yeah jeff bridges as the main character of of the dude uh who has spawned off a religion of of sorts called dudism um uh, but yeah then john goodman steve buscemi julianne moore philip seymour hoffman john Turturro. uh like this the cast of this film is absolutely incredible and they're all fantastic um and just the wild directions this movie goes um are just completely unexpected because it all like starts out as just like a dude who just wants his rug back like his like he his house gets broken into and they steal his rug, uh, and then that leads him on this wild adventure of getting roped into something because he just happens to share a name with some wealthy guy, uh, and he's just he's just trying to get his rug back, um, and it's it's hard to go into without spoiling some of the best moments of the movie, but just trust me. You have to watch the Big Lebowski. In fact, I will. I will. I, I vote that we watch it sometime for 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 a movie night, just because it is so much fun. Um, but yeah, so the Big Lebowski. It's it's a good time, and it came out the year I was born. I wonder what day it came out. I mean, it's probably March sixth. Not when I was born. Sad. Slightly older than you. Yeah, just by a couple months. Yeah. Yeah, moving on to you, David. What's 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 one of your favorite '90s movies, or what do you consider to be one of the the most '90s '90s movies? I think um, 
you can't really get more 90s than Romeo plus Juliet. <laughs> I legitimately was going to bring it up before we even talked about it. Um, listen, it's not good, but I think it's pretty good. <laughs> like, it's not, it's objectively bad, but I think I like it. I haven't seen it since, like, freshman year of high school English class where we watched it after reading Romeo and Juliet. Um, but, like, it, it is exactly what it sets out to be, which is, like, a modern, for the 90s, interpretation of Romeo and Juliet. Um, it is so over the top. Um, it is just a wild and insane movie. But I think it's good. Like, I think, I think there's some good in there. Um, and I know you hate it, but I, you're just talking, like, pure 90s movies. You are not going to get any more 90s than Romeo plus Juliet. I, I don't disagree that you're not going to get any more 90s than it. But also, it's it's really bad. Like, that, I think that was genuinely one of the first movies that I watched and was like, wow, I hate this. <laughs> I think it is fun bad. I don't think it is terrible. I think it's it's enjoyably bad, I would say. Like, I would watch it and have a good time. Have you seen Romeo plus Juliet, Mia? I have not. So do you, like... Am it's, I aware of what Romeo and Juliet yeah. is? Yes. So like it's just it's just set in the nineties. Um like they use the exact same they, language they and everything. The, they use the same, yeah, the same dialogue and they mm. talk the same as in, in Shakespearean times. Oh but, okay. I was like they're talking in the nineties. Great. But it's all set in the nineties and there's like interesting. Like, I definitely thought it was like set in the sixties or something. Because I remember them being like greasers or something. I'm like, pretty sure it's set in the nineties. Um because it I will check. I remember there being a lot of like neon signs and like there being like they're on like the two families they're like warring I, I don't exactly remember what like industry they're in, but it's um yeah, I'm pretty sure it's set in the nineties. Um, um on Letterboxd, uh the most popular review or one of the most popular reviews gives it four and a half stars and says, if you hate this movie, you suck, and I don't want to associate with your pretentious cinephile kind. <laughs> wow. I gave it one and a half stars. I did, because it's bad. I gave it three. <laughs> so I think it's twice wow. as good of a movie as you do. Wow. It's exactly what it sets out to be, which is like a fun, bad movie. We should watch it, Kyle. I disagree. <laughs> I do not want to watch. Is this it. your well, is this your no, version no. of cats? Grant, granted, the one time I have seen this movie was in a middle school English class. Yeah. So it's been a minute since I watched it. You just were like, you didn't want to like it because you were like that wouldn't be cool to like it, you know. Huh. I don't know. I I maybe. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. But yeah. I think it's pretty okay. <laughs> So I, we'll we'll move over to you now, again now, Mia. Uh, what's what's another one of your favorite or most nineties nineties movies? Okay, do you have one picked for your? I do have one picked. Okay, do you want me to talk about Jurassic Park? Because I have a, another one that's well, I have two. This is difficult. We can talk what? about Jurassic Park if you want. I Jurassic Park was not the one I was about to, okay. to talk about. You know what? What are you going to talk about? Because I don't want to have the same one. I'm going to talk about Tim Allen's The Santa Claus. Okay. All right. I then 
I feel like we've talked about Jurassic Park enough that everyone knows exactly what we think. We like Jurassic Park. It is a good movie. I think it is fine. And you suck. Yeah, David's wrong. (laughs) Yes, we're we're well aware of this. Okay, then the mine is... The mine is... (laughs) Mine is Men in Black. This really stands out to me as a very, very 90s. Um, And it it came out the year I was born. I remember seeing it, and I was terrified the first time I saw it. Not of the actual creature, but of the kind of way that the bodies become animated by the alien, and it was very zombie-ish, and I was going through a phase in my life where I was terrified of zombies for about five years when I was in my teens, and it's I'm not proud of it, but I was very, very scared of this movie, which is unfortunate, because I think... It's very funny, and it is very, very 90s to me. That's basically all I have. <laughs> yeah, this is another one I haven't seen since I was a kid, but also can can relate that it, it did terrify me as a kid. It, the, Men in Black, it's kind of intense sometimes, yeah. especially like the opening sequence. I remember that being particularly... like or like one of guy like has to, he makes, he makes it sugar water? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Terrifying. Um, I remember, uh, so Vincent D'Onofrio yeah, is, gonna, is, I think he's the villain. He's the bug, um, he's the bug guy. Yeah, the, bu- the bug man. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think he's really good in it, from what I remember. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'll, I'll agree that Men in Black is, is pretty 90s. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, we were talking about Adam's Family earlier. The same guy who directed those movies directed Men in Black. I did not know yeah, that, actually. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, moving on. Yeah, uh, so Disney's The Santa Claus. Um, is probably one of the most well-known modern Christmas movies. Uh, the first one came out in 1994. Um, and very much uh, just a Christmas movie trying to capitalize on how popular Tim Allen was at the time. Um, and I don't know. I watched this movie again recently, probably just like this past Christmas. Um, and it's kind of bad, but also a ton of fun. I think the premise is a ton of fun. Uh, and... Yeah, it's just a, a weird movie with uh, Tim Allen pretending to be Santa most of the time and children just walking around the North Pole pretending to be elves while there's one slightly taller elf that's played by, like, a guy in his early 20s and he just, like, runs the place. Um, I, I don't remember the name of that elf, um, but, yeah. Um, it's, a, it's, a strange, it's a strange movie. Um, just... Also, if I'm being honest, I'm kind of surprised it got made, considering the premise is literally uh, this kid's dad kills Santa and then has to become Santa. Like, um, yeah, I I was watching, I I heard about an interview uh, with, uh, so the reason, like, this, uh, I heard about this interview through uh, uh, a YouTube channel that David and I both watch called uh, Mr. Sunday Movies, and they have a segment on there called Caravan of Garbage where they just talk about really bad movies. Which it started off as bad movies, but now it's just kind now of, just kind of like movies. Um, but they they were talking about how at the time, like Tim Allen gave an interview where like he told Conan or someone that like the original script for this movie had his character going outside and shooting Santa with a shotgun uh, and like literally murdering Santa because he was just a guy on his roof, uh, and okay. then turns out it was Santa. 
Um, which I think they should have done that. Yeah. Un- undoubtedly. That would have been iconic. Apparently Jeffrey Katzenberg was like, we cannot start this children's movie with you shooting Santa. <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we can have it that you scare him so then he falls off the roof and dies. Is that what happens? Yeah. 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 He just like slips and slides down the roof and then like probably breaks his neck. Yeah. Also, um, like if you were Santa though, I feel like don't be scared by just a man like yelling at you. Yeah. <laughs> and I like how like none of, like when he becomes Santa, and goes to the North Pole, like, none of the elves are phased by it. Like, no one cares that, like, the Santa they've known for however long is just dead <laughs> and replaced by Tim Allen. Listen, like, they all just move on. They're like, all right, yeah. They're just there. They're collecting their 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 elf paycheck. They're like, we don't care who's in charge. We're going to make some toys. We're going to be good. Yeah. yeah. But it is, I think, one of the most 90s movies out there just because of both the premise and the immense Tim Allen-ness of it. Um, so yeah, the Santa Claus. Nice. Um, have you guys seen the movie Twister? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I, I saw Twister over the summer. Um, for those of you who don't know, it's about some storm chasers. Um, they're pretty much like trying to fight some tornadoes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's just, it's a, it's a real nineties, it's, it's a real nineties movie, man. Um, it's with, uh, Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt and like, they... I didn't realize Helen Hunt was in this. Yes. She is the, like, the love interest of, well, so they were like, the two characters were like together and then they broke up because she had a big passion for tornadoes and he didn't or something. Um, and then like... Through the power of tornadoes, they fall in love again. <laughs> and what I really like, it's really campy. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman's in it, which is like really weird. <laughs> but he just plays like a crazy storm chaser guy. Um, it's it's a lot of fun. It's like pretty not good, but like in a fun way. I think something that's so weird about it is a main. So it opens with Helen, like a like. Helen Hunt, as a child, her dad is carried away by a tornado and is killed. And so she wants to, like, study tornadoes so then, like, she can develop a warning system to protect people and whatever. But, like, a big part of this movie is she's, like, trying to get revenge on the tornadoes. And, like, <laughs> when the, when a tornado's coming and she's like, I gotta go there and get it and, like, I gotta risk my life. And Bill Paxton's like, you can't, like... What are you gonna what do? What are you gonna do? Like it's a tornado. It's not the same tornado. Like you can't get revenge on the tornado. But that's like very much a pl- like a main plot point. Is she's she's like so passionate about stopping tornadoes because she's like trying to get revenge on the tornadoes. It just doesn't work because you can't stop a tornado. Um, but yeah, it's very it's a bit like Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton are very '90s stars. Um, and they're just all—they're all looking at like '90s computer displays, and yeah, it's just—it's—it's it's pretty dumb, but it's—it's it's a fun disaster movie, I would say. Yeah, uh, Twister is one of those movies that I watched a ton as a kid, uh, just because I don't know, growing up in Nebraska, like tornadoes are a very a very real and common thing, and so watching this movie, I was like, whoa, this could happen like here, and I remember like being, I don't know, like six years old or probably not six years old, probably close to like eight or nine and like watching this movie and like 
spoiler alert for the end, like the bit where like they're in, I don't know, is it like a barn or something? And it gets hit by a tornado and he like uses his belt to like tie himself to like a metal rod. And then like that, like holds him to the ground yeah. or something. And I'm like, that's how you survive a tornado. Yeah. So. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Let's try. Yes. Let's Only one way to find out. It's a lot of driving around in a car being like, there's a tornado. Yep. And then they're like, there's another tornado. And that's most of the movie. <laughs> I think Twister. I think Twister is uh, is iconic as far as '90s disaster movies goes, um, but it also is very apparent why tornado movies aren't made more often. Yeah. Like you got this. How do you fight a tornado? Yeah. You can't. You can't do it. Yep. Want to do one more uh, each? Sure. Oh, Mia I time. have not prepared for this. Oh dear. He is like three. I talk about three movies. <laughs> um. You know, we could go. How about we 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 try the Matrix? I think I haven't seen the Matrix. That's surprising. Yeah. What? Um, I've seen it once. So, and it I've seen it once, and it was in the backseat of my parents' car on a laptop. That's how it was meant to be seen. <laughs> okay, we need to watch it again. Yeah, probably. Um. Yes, it's Dave. How have you never seen this? I'm in school like that, you know. Wow, that makes me really sad. It's a dang good movie, if I do say so. I think it's, um, yeah. I maybe shouldn't be talking about it because I haven't seen it in several years. But it, when I saw it, it did stand out to me as like, a, this is a very gritty, serious 90s movie. With, I mean, I think it's special effects are good and stand up. I think, yeah. but also I haven't at, seen it. Yeah, at the time, the visual effects were groundbreaking. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Maybe, yeah. I think it's it's very good. I have never wanted to see the other ones in the series just because I remember really liking the first one and being like, oh, I know the next ones aren't going to stand up to like the level that the first one was. Yeah, I'm kind of also in the same boat. Like, I watched the first one and really enjoyed it and then didn't watch the sequels because I heard they weren't very good. But I don't know. I feel like as of the past year or two, like there's been significantly less hate for the Matrix sequels. Like it seems like there's been a lot of people being like, you know what? Like they're not great, but they're not like terrible. Huh. Um, okay. So I kind of, I kind of want to try and go back and watch all three of them before the new one comes out. Yeah. So like the, I think it comes out in like December or something. So we've got all year. Nice. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I remember the color scale being really funky on this. It's very green. Yeah, it's very, like, just black and green the whole time. There's just black and green with numbers and slime. Yes. Yep. That's it. (laughs) Well, you've sold me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, uh, I think the one that I'm going to end up talking about is Being John Malkovich. Uh, so being John Malkovich is probably one of the weirdest movies I have ever seen. And it's one of those movies that I'm just, again, surprised that this got made and cannot imagine this get being made at any time other than the 1990s. And just because, like, the premise of this movie, in case you haven't, in case you haven't heard of it before, is they, these, these people working in an office building find, like, a hole in the wall that they crawl into and it just puts them in John Malkovich's head. Like, they just watch the world from his actual perspective for like however long they decide to stay in there. Um, and so, as one does, they start selling tickets. Uh, and so you can you can escape your world and be in the world of John Malkovich for like half an hour at a time or whatever. Um, 
and it's just a very very strange movie. Um, it's just such a weird premise, and I believe the the lead character is played by John Cusack. Uh, Cameron Diaz is also in this movie, and then obviously John Malkovich. Um, and John Malkovich is actually really good in this movie. Um, I think there's a, he's asked to do a lot, um, and he performs it very well. Uh, there is a sequence in this movie, without going too in-depth on it, uh, in which John Malkovich enters his own mind, and the result is absolutely incredible. I think it makes for one of the best sequences in any film of the 1990s, just because of the pure absurdity of it, and I love it. I had a very, very, very good time watching being John Malkovich, and it's definitely not a movie for everybody, um, but I think if if the premise of this intrigues you, you're probably going to like it. But yeah. And you, you saw it recently. Yeah, I, I watched it for the first time, like, within the past year. Okay, yeah. I remember you talking about it, and you were like, guys, you have to see this. And it was very strange. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Um, um, I'm trying to think about what my last one is. Um, there are, like, a bunch where I'm like, yeah, this is pretty 90s. Um... <laughs> I think I'm just going to talk about, like, as a whole, just, like, very 90s-specific uh, sitcoms, rom-coms, um, like A Notting Hill, which you don't like, Mia? Didn't finish it because I hated it. Yeah, don't you hate Hugh Grant? Oh. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> um, Mia just has a burning hatred for Hugh Grant. Um, Notting Hill, Ghost, Clueless. Oh, I was um, going to talk about Clueless. You should talk about Clueless. Yeah, I just feel like they're all um, uh, Sleepless in Seattle is, is, is another one. Like, they're all just like really 90s. My sister and I have talked about this, and we don't know like what exactly quantifies this, but there's just something about like a mid 90s to early 2000s rom com that they, they all just kind of feel the same. And I don't know what it is, but they just, they just do. <laughs> um, and yeah, I. Really, I think I enjoy all of the movies that I just mentioned. Um, I think Clueless is probably my least favorite of those. I didn't really? love Clueless, especially because she just ends up with her stepbrother at the end. Very um, strange. Although it is Paul Rudd. <laughs> you're like, so it's fine. Don't worry about it. You win some, you lose some. <laughs> yeah. uh, Mrs. Doubtfire yeah, Doubt is also in there. Um, I feel like Mrs. Doubtfire... To me, it feels like an 80s movie, but it's, yeah. it's a 90s movie. It's um, very... Hmm, wouldn't work now. Have you guys seen Office The American Office. President? No. no. It's really good. It's pretty much like a rom-com about, um, like, the president, and he's a widow, and he's a widow, and so he meets a... Um, I think lobbyist. you mean a widower. He's a widower, sorry, um, <laughs> who meets a lobbyist who he falls in love with. Um, it's written by Aaron Sorkin, and it's pretty much just... West Wing before they decided to make the West Wing. Like, it's just it's the same. Martin Sheen's in it. Like, <laughs> they it, it, that, was his, that was like four years before the West Wing came out. And he was like, I'm gearing up for this. I'm just, I'm going to write some president stuff. It's really good. It's like a very delightful and charming movie. Uh, Michael Douglas is the, the president. Um, and Michael J. Fox is in it. That's, that's pretty fun, too. Um, but yeah, 90s, 90s uh, rom-coms, I think, are a lot of fun. I think '90s movies in general are are pretty are pretty fun. I feel like it's a kind of overlooked decade when it comes to movies because I feel like, I especially with like 
80s nostalgia at just like an all-time high i think if we've kind of we kind of i've already passed the peak of like 80s everything nostalgia yeah um but maybe, maybe this decade will be the decade of nostalgia for the 90s i think i think we're getting there i mean we're getting you know we're getting another matrix movie we're getting a space jam movie like i think it might be i think i think it might be time hmm. yeah um so yeah, on that note, this has been episode 40 of Cinebraskans, oh. a daily Nebraskan entertainment podcast. Wow. As always, I'm your host, Kyle Cruz, joined by my co-host, David Berman, as well as Mia Everding. And yeah, 90s movies are, are pretty, they're pretty wild. Pretty fun time. Cowbunga, dude. I don't know if that's a 90s saying, but I'm going to say it. Is it? <laughs> it probably isn't at all. <laughs> and thanks Love for tuning it. in. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>